Hey y'all, this is Unbound Love. The meandering conversation of two pastors. I am Gail. And I am still Kelly. Yep, and uh, I think so. I think so. Some days I don't know. You look like Kelly, so we're (laughs) going with that. Um, Today we are going to do, I guess, the, the opposite or the other side of a podcast that we did several weeks ago where we talked about hell. And so today we're going to talk about heaven. And uh, what that might be like, or what that might look like. And I think that we all kind of start off with that stupid image. I'm going to call it a stupid image. Mm -hmm. um, Of people on harps, sitting on clouds, and... And that's all you're going to do. So, what do you think? Stupid image? Um, Yes. I I think I would be annoyed if I had to sit around listening to toddlers on harps with wings flying around me. That would be too much for me. And little, be. little like bow and arrows trying yeah. to shoot you, you no. know, because you know that's what's happening. Yeah, no, no, I don't, I don't. That's not heaven to me at all. I also don't want streets of gold. I don't want any of that mess. So, I don't think I want to go to heaven. Is that bad? Hmm. Well, there you go. <laughs> well, that version of heaven, we'll say. So, let me give you a theologian's answer in easier terms of what I kind of think. Um, so heaven early on in the Bible was the place set apart where God resided. Mm -hmm. It was everything that was holy and pure. And by pure, I do not mean clean. I mean, pure as in just love, all love. And earth was the place where us people hung out. And in the people place, there was love, but there was also oppression, hatred, sin, fear, anger, privilege, all of that stuff that we humans like. And in the very beginning of our Bible, heaven and earth were the same place, Mm. that garden of Eden. And then I kind of think Eve and Adam were like, I think we could do something here. We could remodel a little bit. So they ate of that tree of knowledge and they said, we want to co-create heaven. We want to, you know, create our own heaven. And God said, okay, give it a whirl, kicked them out of the garden and said, y'all go for it. Try your best. I'll give you some advice when I can, but just try it. So we have spent all of this time trying to recreate the garden. We're trying to build the kingdom of God here on earth, make it on he- as, he- as it is in heaven on earth. And that's basically what our whole scripture is about. How do we make heaven? Because someone way back decided they didn't like where they were staying and they wanted to remodel it a little bit. Well, I think part of that remodeling is also the... Um the idea that I want to know what God knows Mm -hmm. and, um, and boy, do I ever like, (laughs) like, like I think I do. So I think that in reality I don't, Mm -hmm. but I think that I want to know all the stuff that God knows. And I think that that is the whole tree of knowledge of good and evil is, is sometimes I think we focus on the good and evil part but we forget that it's all about wanting to have the knowledge and wanting to understand it and wanting to think that we are equal to God. And um, my church just had shirts printed that say, uh, God is God and we are not. Brilliant. Um, because sometimes we like to think that we are as God. We are little gods ourselves. And that we somehow control the knowledge, we control the, um, the world around us. 
and or we want to. And in that, we are taking from God something that is innately God's. Um, and so I think that, that that's kind of the beginning, is that we decided, and I think that probably all of us decide that at some point in time in our lives, that we have the knowledge, we have the power, we have the ability, and that we can be in control. And in some ways, I think that that is why we end up on earth and not in heaven. I completely agree with that. (laughs) That whole Tower of Babel, we want to build it. We want Mm -hmm. control. We want the knowledge. And I think that it's when we step out of that, we step out of our earthly need to control and have knowledge that we do actually create heaven Mm. i think one thing that we learn is early on heaven existed on earth Mm -hmm. it existed in the tabernacles and the holy of holies on the mountains and the desert it's wherever people were in a space of love Mm. that god resided so we are told we can do that it's as simple as which is not simple (laughs) as getting rid of all these like earthly desires this this need to be in control And then, you know, after we messed that up so many times, he sent Jesus, came down, said, here, I'm going to walk down there. I'm going to walk around. It actually says he sent Jesus to dwell among us. And that word dwell, and I'm going to lose the Greek word here, but it means to be in a tabernacle. So he sent Jesus down to build little teeny holy spaces for us on earth. Well, to show us how to build those spaces. That's what Jesus did. As Christians, we're supposed to be doing that too supposed to be like hey look how jesus did it let's build little heavens and i think it's when we give up control and we just sit in love that we do that and for me church is that not church the building but when we come together in love church is that for me heaven does happen throughout my life i've been in heaven i've been in spaces of heaven not the country music songs about like hooking up with someone heaven but the actual like Almost i felt it heaven. yes west virginia. <laughs> so west virginia maybe west virginia is heaven in some ways i don't know <laughs> i was born there it has yeah. to be <laughs> of course because you're an angel that <laughs> fell from heaven <laughs> Oh, this is getting too mushy. <laughs> I'm going to get away from Valentine's. <laughs> but I do. I think that's what we do. When we share love with each other, we create heaven. So so when we talk about, so I have so many like things that are yes. bombarding my brain at once. I'm trying to sort through them. So when we talk about creating God's kingdom mm-hmm. um, here on earth, and um, many people now have given up the word kingdom. Um, because it 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 has um, an idea that of a patriarchal idea of a king um, of a monarch, and that we are we're moving away from that idea of this monarch uh, and building that kingdom, and they use the word kin, um, kingdom, where we are all related, and um, I like that um, that relational ministry that comes out of that and the relational aspect of what it is to build heaven on earth is about relationship it is relational and um which always reminds me of one of my absolute favorite stories in the bible which is the story of enoch and uh and the bible says that enoch uh, walked with god and um then enoch was no more so he was just out with a walk on a walk with God. 
I'm imagining, you know, like these two old guys walking along and all of a sudden one of them turns to the other and says, hey, you want to come to my house for supper? And, um, and Enoch says, sure, sure, God, I'd love to go to your house for supper. Why don't you, why don't we do that? And God's just like, fine, come move in with me. And off they go. And Enoch was no more. And as I move through the world, as I move through my relationship with God, I keep thinking, I just want to be Enoch. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to be on this walk with God. And we're just like out walking somewhere. And God's just like, so come on home with me. Let's just go on to heaven. And I'm like, yes, let's do it. Um, And in a lot of ways, to me, that is that relationship that I want to build, the relationship that I want to have with God, but also the relationship that I want to have with others, where we are in such a close community, in such a close walk together, that we uh, anticipate and are anxious for those moments when we can be together and when we can share together and when we can be in this holy um, space together. And to me, that is heaven. I'm West, every time you say that is heaven, I think West Virginia now. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, I think that's the target. I think being in communion is heaven. And I think that's part of why one of our sacraments is communion. It's a time when the spirit is you know, moving around and through us where Jesus, God, they're all present with us. That's the point of communion. And it's to teach us that we should always be in communion. Mm-hmm. And there's this idea that we can buy our way into heaven, that we can buy our way out of the bad things we've done. We can atone or make amends. It started off with the early Israelites and animal sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And they felt like that was like, oh, my bad. Let me pay for what I did. Let me make restitution. And then we have this idea that Jesus comes along and he's showing us how to do these heavenly spaces on earth. And then some people don't like that he's doing that, so they have to get rid of him. But then in his death for Christians, but it also happens for the um, Jewish people close to the same time as when the temple's, a little bit after when the temple's destroyed, that the idea of animal sacrifice is no more. That our job isn't to go, oops, my bad, and pay for it or atone for it. Our job is to do what Jesus did, to stop focusing on what we did bad and atoning, but to focus on moving into a place where we don't do those bad things anymore that we have to atone for, that we start being kind and compassionate and empathetic and caring and loving and feed and um, heal people, that we need to focus on that instead of going, oops, my bad, how do I repay my mistake? So we, as Protestant Christians, let me clarify that because there's different beliefs, but as Protestant Christians, we believe that there is nothing we have to do to get into heaven. Like once we've lived a good life and we've done every, you know, just done it, that we'll end up there one day. But we also are called to kind of help build heaven, like to, to be a part of it. It's not our job. We don't have to do it to get into heaven, which is kind of confusing, but I want to do it. I want to have heaven in my lifetime here on earth whenever I can get it, wherever I can get it. And I want to find those spaces. I I spend my my job, but also my life finding those spaces and jumping from place to place where it's heaven Mm -hmm. 
and then messing up and then trying to figure out how to get back into heaven. So my devotions this morning was Hebrews. Um, and um, it was talking about Jesus as the sacrifice um, and how, um, you know, previously we, we did atone for our sins with the blood of animals, um, which was always interesting to me because we're atoning for our sins with not something that is ours, but something that is something else. So we're, we, I'm not atoning for my sins with my blood. I was atoning for my sins with the blood of a creature, uh, an innocent. And that's really wonky to me. And then you move into Jesus paid the atonement for all of us. And again, you have the innocent being offered for everyone. But the interesting thing that this story ends with is now you don't have to do anything in order to receive. And that is um, so uh, contrary to what I grew up being taught. Um, Because I grew up in an evangelical conservative um, faith. And in that faith, in that idea, um, it was a, a bit all about what you do. And what you have done. And how you are doing it. And did you check all the boxes to be able to say, I'm going to heaven at the end. And instead of focusing on what you're doing um, now to create heaven, it was always focused on how are you checking the boxes in order to get to this place later. And um, so it was a total shift in my belief system and in my mind to think about how am I creating earth, uh, an earthly heaven, a heavenly earth, um, instead of just checking the boxes in order to get something later? And so I, I, kind, of, um, I kind of liken it to um, something that I, I do with my diet sometimes. You know, like I love chocolate way much. And um, I'm also diabetic. And so I have to check all my little boxes of all the things that I've done today or that I've done for the week. And then I get the reward. Here's some Oreos. Here's a little Debbie Swiss cake. Here is some chocolate. Here is something that you love because it is a reward for checking all the boxes and exercising and eating good and not drinking soda. And then, ta-da, reward. Um, And sometimes I think we get into that mindset in our Christian walk is that we are just checking boxes. Did I go to church this Sunday? Yes. Did I not kill anybody? Yes. Did I, you know, and, and it's really those big broad strokes that we want to check boxes of. It's not the little minute things. Um, It's not the changing of heart that we check the box in. It is, I am doing these broad stroke things and I'm giving myself great praise for it. That's very true. It's a checklist and it is a list of things you can't do. Mm -hmm. Things that'll keep you out of heaven, which Mm -hmm. blows my mind. It's so confusing. There's a song we used to sing in like vacation Bible school and church camps that um, every line was a 
way you couldn't get to heaven. Like I can't get to heaven on roller skates because mm-hmm. I'll roll past those pearly gates. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing was all my sins are washed away. I've been redeemed. Mm-hmm. And it was so confusing because it was all of these things that you could do to mess up getting into heaven. And then, oh no, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And I think instead of realizing the funny juxtaposition and how it wasn't true we all kind of internalized like oh what like I was like if I die in a roller skating rink am I gonna miss heaven <laughs> like, and I roller skated a lot as a kid but like we we do that we say because of like you have murdered someone it's hard in our brains to wrap around that someone who has done that can wind up with God mm. But that's what our scripture tells us. It tells us no matter who you love, no matter what mistakes you do, no matter what, you can end up in this heaven that we all build together and that that you're welcome, that you are there. And that is so hard to let go of, especially when we want to have this privilege thing where we think we're better than others. It seems so easy to say we're better by saying I'm going to heaven and you're not, which is the opposite of what we're supposed to do to create heaven. But we want so bad to know who's in and who's out like a club. And it gets to the point that we're, we confuse ourselves and we miss the whole point. Yeah, we, we fall into that heaven club. Mm-hmm. You know, we think we equate church with heaven club. Mm-hmm. And, and in heaven club, we get to decide. This person is in, this person is out. And I sometimes look around and see people who think they're in the heaven club and they are horrible gossips. They are murdering people in their heart daily and murdering people with their words daily. And yet they believe that they are like the gatekeeper of heaven club. And um, that's, that's, that's hard to swallow. It's hard to to see being lived out. Um, And I I think that sometimes we get so caught up in that external um, what we can see about other people that we think that we are the gatekeeper of Heaven Club. And we're not. And as, excuse me, as Methodists, um, we believe in grace. And grace is a prevailing idea. And grace is a prevailing idea in many ways. One of my favorites is prevenient grace that happens before we recognize that we need grace and before we even acknowledge that God is offering us grace. This prevenient grace that just abounds in our lives before. And I love the idea of God loving us and giving us grace before so you haven't shown up at heaven club yet you haven't um you know you haven't done anything to earn it you haven't done anything to to get it it's just there sort of like breathing air you haven't done anything to get it it's just there and i think sort of like air there are things that we can do to push god away like we can cut down all the trees and air stops to be like clean and stop you know we can pollute it with all kinds of crap So there are things that we can do to muck up the air, just like there are things that we can do to muck up our relationship with God. But God comes to us in this pure oxygen that we didn't do anything to get. It's just there and we just get to breathe it in. 
I took my mind on a whole trip back to the garden. <laughs> yeah. And the garden, we were just hanging out with the animals. We were eating whatever. We, and with God. I know. And God was just chilling with us. Like, we're all there. And um, I think as we cut down the trees, I think as we pollute the garden that God said, okay, you tried, that we are really messing up. Mm-hmm. Because part of the new garden is living at one with creation. Mm-hmm. If God is creation and we live with one with God, we live with one with creation. So we have a very complicated job <laughs> to do. would be much easier if we just gave it over and said, okay, show me how to do this. If we spent more time in prayer and less time in trying to figure it out, maybe. Um I don't know the answer right now, but I do know that I do know heaven when I see it. Mm. I I know like we, <laughs> I mean, I, I know when I'm there and I am feeling that overwhelming emotion and it may be sitting by myself on the beach. It may be in the <clears throat> middle of our friend Randy has feast gathering and all I can think of is sitting at the tables with people from all walks of life with no need to discuss what you do for work, what you do for a living, just being in a space and singing songs and eating food. That That's a little bit of heaven for me, I think. And sometimes there's other places that where people come together with so much love, so much hope and so much desire to connect with others those are heaven for me those are the places that I really really like however I'm normally the one who messes it up when I get there Mm. (laughs) I'm really good at messing up the clubhouse (laughs) so so when you said um I I recognize heaven when I see it Mm -hmm. um it reminded me of this is a total weird connection but um, the Supreme Court years ago, you know, when they were talking about pornography and what is pornography and one of the justices, and I can't tell you exactly who it is right now because my brain won't get there. But, um, I mean, that was his, his comment was, you know, I, I don't know how to define pornography, but I know it when I see it. And, um, and I feel like there's so much about heaven that is kind of that same definition. Mm-hmm. I have trouble telling you what it is but I know it when I see it. Mm-hmm. And when I see heaven taking place, when I see heaven being built around me, when I see all of this, I know it when I see it. And I know it when I feel it. Mm-hmm. And I know it when I'm a part of it. Uh, but all of us, I think, fall into that same category where we're really good at screwing it up. Mm-hmm. Like we might even be good at building it. We might even be good at, um, at recognizing it and being a part of it, but all of us are really good at messing it up. And when we mess it up, sometimes we like to blame other people. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, we're very good at pointing fingers at other people and saying, oh, look what you did. You screwed up heaven, <laughs> you know. Um, but we also um, are not always good at building it back. And so, um, we talked about grace a minute ago and we're not always good at extending that grace to others that God extends to us. And I think that that is a big part of creating heaven is living in a place of love and grace. And well, that's just damn hard. 
to find that place and to keep returning to it over and over and over. No matter how much your feelings get hurt, no matter how much you um, stop trusting in other people, you start feeling that, you know, are, are they for me or are they against me? And when you start letting that creep into your thought and into your conscious, then guess what? You're letting that take over and you're not living in love and grace and you're not creating. And so, you know, like what was the TV show? Will and Grace. So heaven really is love and grace. Um, I don't know what that TV show would look like, but um, not reality. it would not be a reality show <laughs> at all. Um, or maybe, it, or maybe it is a reality show. Hmm. Oh, okay. So we're going to launch, if any TV <laughs> networks are listening, we want to launch heaven on earth reality show where we put some pastors together and see if they can create a garden. Maybe. I don't know. We're working oh, on all it. my plants die. <laughs> yeah, mine too. We're working on it. The, the great thing about this thing we call the Bible, our scriptures um, especially those early scriptures from our Israelite siblings, our Jewish siblings, is that that is what they are. Stories of people trying to build this garden, build this kingdom, this heaven, mm-hmm. trying to create it and failing and succeeding in different ways. And when we read all of our scriptures, we're like, oh, that's how Amos did it. That's how Paul did it. And they're not perfect because they're like us. They are good at screwing things up, but we get to see how they screwed it up so we don't make the same mistakes. We might make very new ones, but then we'll hopefully share our story and future generations will learn. we do make the same mistakes. But sometimes we don't read it and we go, oh, you know what? If I had read that book, if I had seen what happened, oh, it's like, and I figure sometimes God's up there and she's like, people, I gave you (laughs) all the stories of your ancestors. Learn a little bit. Come on. Stop worrying about picking it apart and pulling verse for verse and trying to blame others. Take it. Say, this is my life study. I need to use this to make my life a little bit better and help me as a blueprint to build heaven. And we forget that part so much. But that is the essential idea of the entire collection of scriptures. It is. And and just like we do in world history... You know, I mean, mm-hmm. look, look at the world where we are right now and how we are repeating the same mistakes of a generation or two ago and and where they, where that is leading us. And yet people who will claim that they know history will fail to see the correlation. And I think that we are no different in our spiritual journey. We look and read from the scripture and um, we fail to see how we are perpetuating the exact same crap. And um, I think that that's a very common, uh, a common human frailty is that we don't want to see in ourselves what we are doing that perpetuates a history that we don't want to be a part of. And yet we continue to do that over and over and over. And, um, and that's, a, that's a difficulty Um, I struggle in that because I don't want to be a part of perpetuating a negative history, a bad history. And yet, sometimes in my rightness, um, in my I am right and you must do this or this is the right way to think, 
I'm perpetuating that same crap that got other people into trouble and I'm failing to see it in myself or failing to see it in the way that I am moving forward. And I mean, that's just to say that I'm as imperfect as anyone else. And, um, yeah, and, and learning is hard. Learning from your own mistakes and even harder is learning from other people's mistakes. Because sometimes we just need to make those mistakes ourselves. Yes, I know. I have children. They do that. <laughs> <laughs> even though I tell them over and over again, actually, no, my children are perfect. <laughs> um, I think I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw Paul in here yeah. because I, I want to, there's a lot of controversy about Paul. Paul is a human being. Mm-hmm. And he... And many people who throughout our scriptures, but he thought he was going to realize this garden on earth. He'd said, mm-hmm. Jesus was just here. We're going to start this church. And then everyone in the world's going to be part of this garden. And it's going to become perfection. He didn't think the end of the world was coming with fire and all of that. He thought that they had all the tools necessary to build the kingdom, the garden right here. And he was going to see it. And everyone was going to see it if we just did it right. And then he made lots of mistakes. He, he started getting frustrated, I think. And so then he started just throwing whatever he could at it, like slapping paint on the walls. He was like, okay, maybe if we don't do this, maybe if we don't do that, maybe. I think he kind of felt the burden of how hard it is to make people just love each other and put everything mm-hmm. down. I think he thought in the beginning he was going to do that. And then he saw as he went along how hard and difficult it was. And... And I think we do that. We set out on this path when we have this justifying grace is what we call it in the Methodist faith, where we, where we make the choice to walk with God and to build the kingdom. We set off with all this gusto and then we get exhausted and frustrated. And there's a cycle. I mean, in pastoral life and Christian life, I think in many other faith walks where like in Buddhism where you think you're going to build this perfect peaceful place and then something comes crashing down and eventually you just get so frustrated that you do step away. You do say, okay, I give up and you have to find your way back in and it's okay. I mean, I think it's okay. Like with everything, if you're building a house, you don't build, you know, round the clock, you take breaks, you sleep, you take Sundays off. Hopefully you, you know, we have to do that because it is hard work. Building heaven is super hard work. When I think when we go back to thinking about Paul, mm-hmm. um, I, I struggle in Paul sometimes, um, except when I realize that Paul was human mm-hmm. and Paul was writing a lot of Paul's opinion mm-hmm. and not just writing. And, and here we get into this inerrancy discussion, which is a whole different discussion. Um but, you know, if you believe that the Bible is inerrant, if, that there are no errors in this, then you take Paul's opinion and you somehow make that gospel. You make that an absolute, positively, no doubt about it, this is the truth from God, because that's Paul's opinion. And, um, and I think that that's a big struggle for a lot of people, um, is recognizing where the opinion is and where the fact is and uh, that's I think that's a struggle for all of us in our own lives I don't think any of us are particularly good at looking at our own lives and saying here's my opinion and here's the absolute fact and I need to live into the absolute fact and give up my opinion none of us do that well maybe some people do that well I don't do that well 
Um, and I think that maybe because we all think that our opinion is somehow gospel, like what we want, what we think. And that's one of the reasons that it's so important for us not to live in echo chambers where we, we only spend time with people who are echoing back to us what we believe, who are just echoing back what we think, but that we are in places and spaces where it challenges us to think differently, to look differently, and to hear words differently. Um, and I think that's a part of creating heaven on earth. I mean, yes, heaven comes when we love each other and love each other well. Heaven comes when we are working in a place of love and grace. Um, heaven comes when we are able to do that. If it were easy, heaven would already be happening. We would all be walking around in a garden. We would all be, you know, walking around in a garden with God. And it would be beautiful and the air would be clean and it would all be perfect. If you look out your window today, that's not what you're going to find. It is not this perfect world where we are all working we are all walking in clean air where we are all walking with beautiful trees and lots of fruit and whatever. It's all plentifully it available. Milk and honey. Milk and honey. Milk and, and honey. For some reason is very available. Yes. So, so but, but you think <laughs> yeah. about that, you know, like this mm-hmm. is sustaining things. And, and you think about, you know, in the ancient world, what, what was milk and honey? You know, I mean, honey, that's the sweetener. It's what makes life sweet. It's what makes life like savory. It's chocolate in the ancient world, y'all. And, you know, so chocolate is free flowing in heaven. Oh, suddenly I'm like really all about it. Yeah. I want to go to that heaven. (laughs) Chocolate fountains everywhere. Um, So it's an important thing to think about is that, you know, it's hard for us to get out of our own heads. And that's a part of creating heaven is getting out of ourselves and and into love and grace for all. So uh, let's... Let's talk about Peter and the pearly gates and all of that stuff. Ooh, because I love them. Everyone wants that to be like a whole book in the Bible. Like this is what the Bible says that you're going to walk up. Peter's going to have a checklist. Mm-hmm. Go over what you did. I love like I've been. I love it's watching. Check in. Yes, it's check in. And if you either get in or you don't. And yeah. if you don't, you get on a shoot or an elevator. Mm-hmm. Or I love the whole idea of the good place. Like the TV show, I've watched it a couple of times just because it has plays with all these ideas. But the pearly gates, the golden streets, the cherubs, which are not what angels look like at all. Maybe we should do a podcast on what angels Mm. look like or what angels are. But um, all of that comes so much later. That's like medieval through Renaissance times when painters tried to depict what they thought heaven would look like to them. What they felt like the clouds and the sky and the you know, togas that everyone wore. This is what heaven looked like to them, but it is not from the Bible. And the idea that you check in after you die also is not biblical. It's not scriptural. It's, it's an idea that's been placed on this idea of heaven that has taken over the scriptures. It's taken over our ideas because we see it in paintings and we see it. We, we think those paintings are like reality. But in truth, there are no pearly gates, which I'm good. I won't roll past them. That's, I guess that's good. <laughs> um, there are, there, Peter's not waiting to say yes or no, thumbs up, thumbs down. Peter doesn't have control over that. God has control over welcoming his children back. God says, 
in her sweet voice, you, y'all are all welcome. I think she's Southern, maybe. Of course. That. Y'all are, y'all means all. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that Peter doesn't have any part of it. You know, Peter's going to be standing there beside you and me going, oh, this is cool. Mm. I, I, I'll hit the chocolate fountain with you later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I want to make sure that we understand that the image that was put in the pictures of your Bible doesn't come from mm. the Bible. It comes from much, much later on. Mm-hmm. I, I used to, um, when I lived in the, in the um, evangelical world, I always thought that, you know, we would get to heaven, uh, to the pearly gates, and basically Peter or whomever is, is there to um, say, do you, you get in, you don't get in. And you would be ushered into this movie theater, and you would sit down in this movie theater, and this big giant screen and you would get all of the clips so here are all the highlights of everything that you've ever done good or bad and here is the reel of your life and and it's all playing up on this screen and then when it gets to the end the curtain moves away or the screen rolls up And there is God. And God says, you're in. You're out. (laughs) And, you know, that is this final pronouncement of what you have done throughout your life. And there's great fear in that, y'all. Even, you know, when you start to, to run through your mental checklist. All the good things that I did, all the bad things that I did, do all the bad things outweigh all of the good things? You know, where is the balance of that? And then you get into that kind of legalistic, you know, the the, the justice woman, whatever her name is, and she's holding this little scale, and it's like, which way do you go? Is it balancing this way or that way? And there's this great fear, and I think that a lot of people still live in that fear that this is how you are going to be judged. And when you see God judging you that way, um, again, you you erase every bit of love and every bit of grace. And when you think of it in this loving parent way, and I get that that's not always an analogy that works for people, because not all of us had loving parents. Um, but if you see God in a loving parent way, in the way that always is going to be I want you to get all of the best. I want to see everything that you've done in the best light. I want to see all of this through my loving eyes and through my eyes of desire for the best for you always. I think you see even that movie screen looking different. Because, you know, there's a lot of stuff. But... If you look at it through the eyes of love and grace, it looks completely different than it does if you look at it through the eyes of strict judgment. And I don't see anywhere in the scripture that we see a God of strict judgment. We see a God of love and grace and and a, a God that says, yeah, you totally screwed the pooch on that, but I redeem you and I'm going to Boy, how often does God say, I'm going to change your name and I'm going to build a nation out of you because 
you are total shit. (laughs) But I made you good. And I am calling you good. And I am making a nation out of you. I mean, we see that over and over in the Old Testament. You did exactly what I told you not to do. But I'm going to redeem you. And I'm going to live into grace. And I'm going to build out of you something wonderful. So basically, if anyone has told you that you are not going to heaven because of XYZ, you are not going to participate in this end of the world as we know it in this place of love and happiness and flowing milk and honey and everything is finally okay they lied Mm -hmm. and there are many many pastors across denominations that will tell you they will see you there and i think you have two choices in this life you're going to have have an open to you no matter what you choose no matter what you do but you get an opportunity to experience it here you get an opportunity and it doesn't mean you have to checklist or follow it means you have to wrap yourself in agape this awe-inspiring overwhelming love that doesn't judge the person Mm -hmm. in front of you that's a moment when you get to spend that you get to spend in heaven And I'm going to throw one thing out there that is going to maybe complicate things, but just think about it. (laughs) If heaven is love, if heaven is the absence of oppression, greed, anger, fear, frustration, privilege, all of that, then there are many opportunities for us along with our Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, Sikh, Buddhist, atheist, all of our siblings to build that here, to build that together. And to be in heaven in moments together here on earth. It is not a club that's held by anybody. It's a club that God says, I love you all. And they open their arms and welcome us all. Amen. We've come to the end of our time here, y'all. And so um, I'm going to let Kelly give you your challenge, which I think is is probably pretty obvious after that. But... uh, uh, we love y'all and we want to build heaven with you and so if you want to know how to do that if you want to come and be a part of building heaven with us um it's it, it, it's in the show notes to how to send us a message how to connect with us and so we truly want to know how to build heaven with you and how you can come be a part of building heaven with us and this week just find a moment to build heaven. Just find a few moments to set aside with someone around you to listen with empathy and compassion, to learn and grow in just a moment. Five minutes of heaven. Find it this week. See y'all next time. Love it.